morning, everyone. Good to uh, see everyone this morning. I hope everyone's had a great week, one week until Christmas. Um, I want to take a moment, actually, to honour all of our awesome kids leaders that do awesome work with our kids each week. Why don't we give them a, a clap? Um, if you haven't been with us the past few weeks, we've been in a series called The Gift, which is our Christmas series for the year. Uh, and each week I've talked about how this is a time of year where we prepare our hearts to celebrate the arrival or the birth of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Uh, and for this series this year, we've been studying some gifts uh, that some wise men or magi, people from the East, came, came and brought the baby Jesus uh, when they came to worship him. Uh, and the passage of scripture we've been looking at is Matthew 2.10, uh, and I'm going to read it to us this morning. It says this, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So these wise men came and they worshipped Jesus and they brought with them three gifts. Uh, and as we've talked about in prior weeks, these gifts were both highly practical, they were valuable, they served a purpose for the family, but they were also deeply spiritual uh, in the sense that they symbolised or embodied what Jesus would come to represent uh, in his arrival. In week one, we looked at the frankincense, and we learned that this represents the priestliness of Jesus, or Jesus as our high priest. We talked about how uh, a high priest is one who's the representative of the people before God. The priest makes sacrifices for sins and also intercedes for the people. We talked about with Jesus as our high priest, he's made the perfect sacrifice for us. He's dealt with sin once and forever by his precious blood, and he's the perfect one to intercede for us because he knows what it's like like to be human. He's walked on this earth, he knows the emotions we experience, and he stands before the Father praying for us each day. Uh, in week two, we talked about the myrrh, so that was last week, and we learned the myrrh represented Jesus as the suffering servant, as the one who came actually to die, to bear the sins of the world, and we talked about the depths of that suffering, we talked about the barbarity that, that, that he endured, and when we understand what he went through, uh, it's a picture of his love for us, and it should produce something in us when we understand the depths that he would go through, that we might be reconnected with God. Uh, and this week we're going to be looking at the third gift, which is the gold, and this represents the kingship of Jesus, or Jesus as our king. Uh, and I'm just going to pause and, and pray this morning before I get into that, so if you just bow your heads uh, with me. Jesus, thank you for coming all those years ago. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for drawing near. Thank you for the, the way that you paved, the hope you provided, the love you showed, the grace you revealed. Would that grow deeper in us this morning as we hear your word? In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, they brought him gold. Because of the, the scarcity and value, uh, gold has always been a gift fit for a king. And so in bringing this gift, it was kind of an announcement or a pronouncement that a new king was born, that a new king had arrived. Uh, and I want to let you know this morning that Jesus is a king like no other. He's not an ordinary king. He's not a human king. He's the king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6.15, it says this, 
For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And in that Greek language which Paul originally penned this letter, he couldn't use like a stronger language. He couldn't use a greater emphasis. He's saying Jesus Christ is the king over all kingdoms on this, on this earth. He holds the entire cosmos in his hands. He is supreme. He is a king like no other. The problem was, though, that when Jesus arrived, he was so radically different to any king that's ever been and any king that will ever be that the very people that were waiting for his arrival completely missed him. When Jesus was born, people were actually expecting a Messiah. They were expecting a Savior. They were crying out to God for this chosen one to come and save him. He had been prophesied about. They were waiting for him, but they completely missed him. The problem was that the Jews that were waiting for him, they were, they were expecting a king that would be born in a palace, uh, surrounded by wealth and comfort. You know, a modern day parallel would be like for a, a king to be born in a, in a gold-plated crib with maybe a, a purple lining, wearing like a Gucci onesie or Air Force Jordans, a little gold bracelet. They expected their king to come and, and kind of be the man, to come in power and in might and have opulent wealth. But someone different arrived. No one expected the king to be born in poverty. Many believe in a cave next to farm animals. They didn't expect the saviour, the chosen one, the messiah of the world to be the son of a carpenter. Sorry, builders. Born in, in Nazareth. One of, his, uh, one of his disciples would say, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from that place? It'd kind of be like Jesus being born in Hamilton. Sorry, John. <laughs> Can anything good come from Hamilton? <laughs> Just kidding. But John did move here from Hamilton, so maybe. The Waikato River. Um, no one predicted that the King of Glory, the Son of God, would befriend prostitutes, that he would reach out and he would touch lepers. He would love those, the ones that the religious institutions had labelled and sidelined and shunned out. They never imagined a king would choose uneducated fishermen and tax collectors as his closest disciples. No one would have ever imagined that he would forgive a, a woman caught in the very act of adultery, even though their law said she should be stoned. And yet at the same time, he would confront the hypocrite Pharisees again and again. He would overturn tables of people making profit in his temple. They never imagined the king of heaven would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Of all animals, they were expecting a, a white stallion, a valiant horse. They never expected it. They never imagined that his welcome party would be, uh, would be the outcasts, the overlooked, and even the immoral. No one expected a king would stand trial for a crime he didn't commit. No one ever imagined that an innocent king would be taken, he would be whipped, he would be scourged, he would be beaten, that he would hang on a cross, an instrument designed to inflict the maximum amount, amount of pain. No one would have ever imagined that the king of the world would have his creation spit on him and mock him as he hung up there for them. No one would have imagined that this king would pray for mercy for the very people that put him on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
And they certainly didn't expect that three days later this king would rise from the dead, would ascend to heaven and would be seated at the right hand of God. Jesus is a king like no other. He's a king like there's never been and there never will be. And if we zoom out and we kind of look at this first century biblical account, we'll notice that there were three very distinct responses to Jesus as king. Three very distinct responses. And oddly enough, those three responses to uh, this truth statement that Jesus is king still exists today. The first response to Jesus is one represented by King Herod. King Herod opposed Jesus as king. Jesus threatened his kingship, threatened his kingdom. This idea of someone else coming with autonomy threatened King Herod, and so he issued a decree that all of the babies in Bethlehem under, age, under the age of two should be put to death. And while we don't, uh, we don't uh, decree genocide today, we, uh, many of us still have that same posture in our hearts, where we resist this idea of a king coming, where we resist this idea of, of someone perhaps being greater than us, where we resist this idea of there, there being a higher authority in our lives than us. It sounds like this, I don't need anyone else to tell me what to do. I'll make my own decisions about what's right or wrong. I don't need God and I don't want God. I don't want to listen to some outdated religious book. I'll live my life on my way and on my terms. It's an opposition to God. It's anti-God. It's, it's almost offended that, that there would be something higher than self. I, don't, I want to define my own, my own way. I want to build my own kingdom. This is an opposition to God. The second response, which is also prominent today, was the response of the Jewish priests. They weren't in direct opposition to, them, to him at that time. They were later. They just kind of blew him off. They were kind of too busy. They just dismissed him, which was really bizarre because Herod would come to them and he'd say, where is this king going to be, uh, going to be born? And they knew the scriptures. They said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. They were only five miles away, but they didn't even make the effort to go and worship the king of the universe. What does that response sound like today? Do you want to go to church and, and worship the living God? Nah, nah, not really. Do you want to hear about who he is? Do you want to, do you, do you want to read his love letter to you and, and, and hear about his freedom and hope? Nah, not really. Do you want to be part of his mission, like sharing his love and his grace to the world? Nah, nah, not really. The Jewish priest did what's so common today. It's just a nice story that happened 2,000 years ago that I'll dismiss and it won't really have any relevance on my life today. Then finally, there were the wise men. The wise men bowed down and they worshipped Jesus. These were wealthy men, educated men, highly renowned, and they came and they bowed down and they worshipped baby Jesus. It was the ultimate response of honour it was the ultimate response of awe. It was the ultimate response of submission. It was the ultimate respect to the God of heaven who had become one of us, that he might save us. This response sounds like this. It's not about me. It's not about my throne. It's not about my kingdom. It's all about him. It's all about the one that made me. It's all about the one that gave himself for me. It's all about the king of the world 
with everything I am, I bow down to you. I'll worship you. I'll position you in the highest place in my life. I won't oppose you. I won't dismiss you. I will worship you. The wise men came and they worshipped him. So what is our response to King Jesus? Are we opposing him? Hopefully not if we're here this morning. Maybe you've been, you're here out of obligation and you don't want to be here. Are you opposing him? Are you resisting him? Is the idea that there is someone higher in this world than you, is that offensive? Are you resisting him? Are you dismissing him? Is he a, a side portion of your life? Is it a nice story that happened 2,000 years ago that kind of has no bearing on your life apart from Christmas and Easter? Or are you worshipping him for who he is? The wise men came, they bowed down, and they worshipped the king of glory. Jesus is a king like no other. This king heals the sick, opens blind eyes, unplugs deaf ears. He strengthens the weak, delivers the captive, restores those who are hurting and broken. He is a champion of the outcast, of the sidelined, of the undermined. He is a shelter in times of trouble. He is a light when our world is dark. He is the prince of peace, the alpha and the omega, the resurrection and the life. His goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. At his name, darkness trembles. In his presence, demons flee. The devil could not stop him. Death could not defeat him and the grave could not hold him. And he's coming back to restore all things and rule and reign for eternity. That is your king. That is your king. Thank you.